that it's not you it's me script has worked for us in our entire lives and if it ain't broke don't fix it well when you step into leadership that's why i think so many leaders fail they can't flip their script and they can't say you know what it's not about me because it's hard to let go and the leaders who are able to have that clear ending of that part of their professional life and this is a new beginning for them and to understand the way I go about it as a leader has to be different for me to be effective. One of the things I found when uh, the research I did uh, at CCL, one out of every two leaders are ineffective in their role. So that's a pretty high percentage. If you don't want to be in that 50% that's ineffective, you have to do something different. And that's what the effective leaders notice. It is something different. It's not about me anymore. Welcome to Management Development Unlocked, where you will learn how to nurture a world-class management team. And now your host, Eric Gerard. Welcome to another episode of Management Development Unlocked. I am really glad you're here. While you still have your device in your hand, I'd like to ask three favors, please. One, please subscribe to the show. Two, please share the show with just one other person. And three, go to Gerard Training Solutions and download my free ebook on becoming a manager. Today, I have Bill Gentry with me. Bill, welcome to the show. Who are you and what do you do? Thanks so much for having me. I'm Bill Gentry. I'm an industrial organizational psychologist. I've studied leaders. I've done a lot of research on on leaders, trained leaders for over 20 years now. I wrote a best-selling book called Be the Boss Everyone Wants to Work For, A Guide for New Leaders. It was wonderful to write, and it's been really awesome just to hear how others have used that book as well in their in their journey in leadership. So I help and train leaders. I've worked in, I worked for a place called the Center for Creative Leadership for about a dozen years or so, left to do something else, didn't work out. Then I ended up at High Point University, worked there for a while on staff there, been an adjunct faculty member at several different uh, colleges and universities in the area here in North Carolina. And just my passion is around helping people lead better. So that's who I am. Well, I am thrilled to have you. So thank you for being here. You are welcome. I'm thrilled to be here. Cool. Well, let's start high level. So mm-hmm. I invited you here to talk about the book. So give us a high level summary of what the, what Be the Boss is all about. Yeah. So, you know, I started, uh, as I said, I've, I've, I've researched leaders for, for over 20 years now. And around 2010, I was involved uh, at the Center for Creative Leadership on a revamp of a program that was really geared for first-time, first-level managers, uh, you know, those entry-level supervisors, new managers, emerging leaders. And that's when it. I, when I started looking at the research, you have a whole pipeline at the beginning where most of these leaders are not getting any help at all. I think the research said about 60% of new leaders get no training or development whatsoever. Uh, Zenger Fultman came out with a study that says the average age of a person to get his or her first leadership position formalized was around 30. And the average age of a person to get his or her first formalized leadership development experience was 42. So for 12 years, these leaders were just sent out there to, to lead without getting any help or support. So that's where my interest was in terms of helping these leaders lead better, especially when they're not getting any support. And they're the future leaders of any organization. So that's where my interest and my passion really came in. I trained the program that we helped revamp that was for those entry-level new leaders. Loved doing that. And the book was just uh, the research came out of that program and a lot of other research that we did in the field did 
just to help these new leaders as much as possible. I thought if there's any way that we can help new leaders because they're not getting the resources, they're not getting the time, they're not getting the attention they deserve, maybe a book that I could write uh, could help out. So that's where the book came in. And I think the red thread throughout the book is called Flip Your Script. And that's what I really want to help leaders understand. What got you into that leadership position has nothing to do with what's going to help you be a great leader. So the script that helped you be successful as a professional is not the script that is going to help you as a leader. In fact, it's flipping your script and saying, you know what, the the script of an individual contributor who's successful is like it's the old breakup line. It's not you, it's me. And what I tell people is if you want to be a great leader, you have to flip that script and say, it's not about me anymore. And if you want to be successful as a first-time manager or leader and set your career off well, if you can think about it's not about me anymore, that's going to be a wonderful way to think about everything you do, every decision you make, every action you take, everything that you do as a leader. You know, I'm I'm reminded of the book, What Got You Here Won't Get You There. That's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Good good stuff. Good research. I read that book not too long ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So you called it a red thread. Just out of curiosity, why did you call it a red thread? Yeah, because when I looked at the research, we had about the research I did for the book was based on about 300 either new managers or soon to be managers for the first time in their life because we were able to get the 360s of these leaders that went through the Center for Creative Leadership program. And the 360s had, you know, again, their boss rated them, their peers rated them, their direct reports rated them, and they rated themselves on about, you know, 13 or so different competencies. What we also had for us, and again, I'm a quant geeky researcher, so talking about research is it's just something that I'm very passionate about and love doing, is we also had uh, access to their written comments on what are their strengths, what are their weaknesses, what are their top challenges that they had. So I was able to use all that research to figure out what are, you know, the parts of leadership that they're really lacking in. What does their boss say? What do they say? All these, uh, is it linked to success? Is it linked to derailment? And so we were able to look at the research, look at the competencies and skills, and each of the chapters talks about a flip. Uh, and the six different flips come out from the research that was completed on these close to 300 new leaders. Flipping your mindset, skill set, relationships, your do-it-all attitude, your perspective, and your focus. And those are the six flips that I walk through in each of the chapters of the book. Nice. Well, let's continue to tease that out. Yeah. Talk, to, talk to me more about the flips. Let's yeah, go deeper so into those. First flip is mindset. I ask these, again, new managers, close to 300 of them, you know, what's your motivation for coming to CCL, for being part of this training? And you know, this is for any, this that could be for you, for the students that I taught at, at universities or colleges, for anybody going through a developmental experience, what's your motivation? There's two different types. One type of motivation is I'm doing this because I want people to know how good I am. I want the spotlight on me. I want them to know that in, in, you know, for CCL in this training program, I'm gone for three days. I get to come back. I can put a certificate up on the wall. It's drawing attention on me. Again, the script, it's not you, it's me focusing on me. We all have that motivation. All of us have that level of motivation. Some of it a lot, some of us a little, some of us in between. And there's nothing really wrong with it. That's just one of the motivations that we have for learning and development. Well, another motivation that we have for learning and development is, you know, I'm going through this because I love learning. I find it intrinsically pleasing to me. I, I, I love taking on a new challenge and learning about myself and, and wanting to do new things. Well, when I was able to put those two types of motivations together and link that out to, you know, how well they're doing in their job, 
that mindset of I'm doing this because I find this fun and intrinsically pleasing. If that was the major driver of the two motivations, those were the ones who were highly successful. If the major driver of their motivation was that me, myself, and I look at me, look at how good that I am. I'm doing this so people know how good I am. It draws attention to me. Those were seen as the less effective leaders. So, you know, it's about flipping your mindset. It gets into the growth versus fixed mindset. Carol Dweck, if, if anyone wants to have a really great book to read uh, over the next few months, Carol Dweck, who's a professor in Stanford, came up with and worked on this thing called mindset, where there are those with a fixed mindset. Those of us with a fixed mindset have to be perfect. You know, failure is not an option. You know, when I talk to my, my students and they think about grades, 100 is an A and 99 and below is an F. That's those with a fixed mindset. Those of us with a growth mindset say, hey, it's okay to fail. Failure is okay as long as I learn from it. And what can I learn from my failures? And the great thing about mindset, you're not stuck in one or the other. You can, if you have a fixed mindset, you can change and have a growth mindset if you do certain things. So flipping your mindset, getting away from it's not you, it's me to, you know what, it's not about me anymore. It's not about me and my failures and or me not being able to fail. What can I learn from those failures? And how can I be present in the moment to really understand what's going on and, and just have fun learning about learning and development and being in this leadership development experience? So that's flipping your mindset. The second flip is about flipping your skill set. And this gets to the classic, think about the salesperson who's really great at sales, think about the researcher who's really great at research, has all those technical skills. When it comes to leadership, you can't rely on those technical skills anymore. And when I was able to look at the, the data that came in, you know, we had their bosses and their peers and direct reports rate these managers on how well they were doing in certain competencies. We also asked them, what are the most important competencies for success? So if we were able to see, hey, who's saying which competencies are important for success? And are these managers really good at it in the first place? If you can find that sort of gap, that's going to let people understand, hey, if everybody says you got to do this well, and not a lot of people are doing it, that's a gap we need to fill. And that's where we came in with communication and influence. Those two stood out as two of the biggest learning gaps that these new leaders had, their bosses, their peers, their direct reports, even the leaders themselves said, hey, I need to be really good at communication and influence. And across the board, they were not really good at it when you looked at their ratings on their 360s. So helping people understand that when you step into leadership, flipping your script, it's not about me anymore. And thinking, how can I now communicate and influence people I say it's, it's, it's part of going from the golden rule to the platinum rule. The golden rule, of course, treat others the way we'd like to be treated. Platinum rule, treat others the way they want to be treated. And I think if leaders are able to flip their script and say, it's not about me anymore, think about the platinum rule. How can I communicate with others? Not the way I want to be communicated with, but the way they want to be communicated with. How can I influence others? Not the way I want to be influenced, but the way they want to be influenced that's flipping your script and actually understanding you know, how leadership can really be to enhance your potential in leadership. So those are the first two. So we have mindset and skill set. Relationships is going from how do I be part of a team to now leading a team? Uh, how can I go from you know, going out to lunch with my teammates you know, every, every day or every so often, we, we badmouth the boss behind his or her back at, at lunch. 
I might have some of them over for barbecue that, that weekend. Our kids might play in a soccer game together. And now Monday, I'm the boss. And now my team, who I'm leading, they're going to lunch and they're probably bad-mouthing me <laughs> because I'm the leader now. How can I make that switch from being a friend to being a boss, from being a peer to being a boss? That was the biggest challenge these new leaders had. How do I go from being part of a team to now leading a team? So that's flipping your relationships, flipping your do-it-all attitude is how can I stop doing all the work that made me successful? Again, it's it's not you, it's me. How can I flip my script and say, it's not about me anymore? How can I stop doing the work and now start doing the work of a leader, which is coaching, developing, and mentoring others? And others' success is what's going to make me successful as a leader. It's not my ability to do the work. It's can my team do the work successfully. If they're successful, that's what's going to make me successful. Again, it's not about me anymore. The the fifth part of your script you have to flip is your perspective. How can you understand the organizational politics that are involved in any organization? How can you be politically savvy, which is actually a good thing to be politically savvy and to have that political skill? And then the final flip is flipping your focus. How can you lead with your character and integrity intact? So those were the six flips that the book talked about. That is fascinating. Thank you for the for the overview. I think they're all really interesting. Mm-hmm. I wonder if you have an idea of one that might be, one or two that might be most yeah. important for a new manager yeah. to make. I think two of them, I want to get focused more on those. I think uh, flipping your relationships and flipping your do-it-all attitude. One of the things when I was at CCL that really has stuck with me, kind of a model that they have, when they did research on what makes leadership effective, three things came out. And what CCL calls, the Center for Creative Leadership, CCL, calls it their DAC model. And it's helped me tremendously in my own leadership, and it's helped so many others. And this is a framework that I love talking about because it's so simple and easy to understand and, and anybody can do it, but yet as leaders, so often we fail to do it. So if you think about DAC, whenever effective leadership happens, three things happen. DAC. D stands for direction. Every effective leader you've known, you've worked with, has probably given you, here is the goal, here is the mission, here's the vision, and everybody knows it by heart. Everybody on the team knows it. So direction. D. A. Alignment. Eric, this is your role. This is your responsibility. If you aren't able to do it, this is how our team won't function. This is how we won't achieve those goals. This is why you are so important. And Eric, if you not only need to know what you do, but you also need to understand what Janet does. And Janet, here is your role and here's your responsibility. Here's how important you are. And Janet, you need to understand that if you're unable to do your role, it affects Eric negatively. And Eric, if you don't understand how you don't do your role, it's going to affect Janet negatively. And it's going to affect Tom negatively. And Tom needs to understand. So everybody on the team understands his or her roles and responsibilities. And they understand if they fall short in them, how it negatively affects others on the team. That's alignment. Role clarity. Alignment. And then commitment. Can you give 100% and be engaged in the work every single second of every single day? You know, Gallup says about two-thirds to maybe 70, 75% of people are either clocking in, clocking out, disengaged, or are actively trying to thwart everything that you're doing as a leader. Two-thirds of people, at least. So if you can get your team to D, direction, understand where they're going, A, alignment, understand role clarity and how important their jobs are to themselves and to each other. And then C, commitment. 
get them engaged in the work, doing the work that they love more often than not, you're going to be really effective in that role as a leader. So that's helped me tremendously in terms of when I'm leading a team, am I providing direction and alignment and commitment to my team? So that's the flipping your relationships. I think the second part uh, of of our conversation is flipping your do-it-all attitude. How can you stop doing the work of an individual contributor that got you into this leadership position in the first place and start doing the work of a leader, which is around feedback, which is around coaching others, developing others, and mentoring others. In fact, research that I was able to do with, with a couple colleagues, we found that the more that leaders were able to show these mentoring behaviors, these career-related mentoring behaviors, they were seen as more effective in their job. They were seen as less likely to derail in their career. And we saw it across about 30-plus different nations, which was really, really cool. Uh, So it's a worldwide kind of phenomenon. doesn't matter where you are in the world. doesn't matter who you are. If you're able to coach and develop others, you're going to be successful. It's not about doing the work anymore. It's not you, it's me. Flipping that script, it's not about me anymore. I can absolutely relate to both of those because I've been promoted, as I talk about, I've written about this a lot, it's it's in my book, being promoted from a peer to a manager yeah. of that team. And that just fundamentally and instantly transforms your relationship. That's right. I write in the book, going from an individual contributor to your first leadership position is probably the biggest psychological and emotional shift you're going to make in your career as a professional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because if your success is not based on me, myself, and I, and what my skills, my talents, my abilities, my motivations, my success as a leader is going to be, are my people successful? Am I a talent scout? Am I a developer of others? You know, I tell the people that I lead and serve, my job as a leader is for you to take my job. Mm-hmm. If you're, If I'm able to do that, I'm doing really well as a leader in setting you up for success. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And then I can also relate to the the do-it-all attitude. Mm-hmm. When I started Gerard Training Solutions, I thought, I'll be a one-man band. I'll do it all. Why not? I can be a webmaster. I can run. I can do the books. I can make my PowerPoints. I can do yeah. the facilitation. I can fill in the blank. And I got overwhelmed almost instantly and, right. and had to let go of a lot of things, including things I really liked. Like I like playing with a website. And so there was a little bit of grieving there, but it's like, yeah. look... I have to let that go. I have to give it to somebody who has the bandwidth and has the talent to do it better than me. In this case, let Sandra run with it. Yeah. Go take it and yeah. you know proceed until apprehended. I'll let you know when to stop. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. And I, th- I, I think the, the word that I picked up on when you're talking is you, you actually said grieve, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You had to, it's an ending. When you step into a leadership role, it is a professional ending in your mm-hmm. career. One that is very successful. One that you have, again, the it's not you, it's me script has worked for all of us since we were in kindergarten because you focus on me, myself, and I. My grades got me into a great education, maybe college, maybe a great university. My grades, my talents, my personality got me into this great role. My Again, me coming in early, me staying late, me doing all the work, having a spotlight on me, got me raises and bonuses and promotions. That it's not you, it's me script has worked for us in our, our entire lives. And if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, when you step into leadership, that's why I think so many leaders fail. They can't flip their script and they can't say, you know what, it's not about me anymore because it's hard to let go. And the leaders who are able to 
have that clear ending of that part of their professional life, and this is a new beginning for them, and to understand the way I go about it as a leader has to be different for me to be effective. One of the things I found when uh, the research I did uh, at CCL, one out of every two leaders are ineffective in their role. So that's a pretty high percentage. If you don't want to be in that 50% that's ineffective, you have to do something different. And that's what the effective leaders notice. It is something different. It's not about me anymore. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, and I love your reference to William Bridges' work on, on endings. Yeah. Yeah, the whole idea of endings, neutral zone, and beginnings. I just, I just taught that today, so... <laughs> One of my professors uh, went to college at Emory University, and the last class that I took as a senior was from one of my favorite professors, and he had he talked about this cycle of life, choice, beginning, deepening, and ending in your relationships. There's always going to be an ending, and you have to choose to begin again. With When you step up into leadership, you have to understand that that is an ending, and your relationship with your peers, with your friends, has to end. It's going to be, you can choose to be good again, but it's got to be something else. And the ones who are effective understand that. Your relationship with your boss, your relationship with your family, your relationship with so many other people end when you start your first formalized leadership position. And if you can focus, again, on that one thing of it's not about me anymore and have that be in the forefront of your mind with everything that you do, I think those are the ones who are more effective in their jobs as leaders. Yeah, I would agree. You remind me of something that one of my oldest friends said when I interviewed him for a management class I was writing. Mm-hmm. And he said, you're not one of the gang anymore. Yeah. You're, you're not, you can't hang out anymore. That's right. That's right. It, yeah. Now, and I tell leaders, there's nothing in a formalized HR handbook that I've ever seen in my life that says you can no longer be friends with your former peers, with your teammates. I have, I've never seen that. But- as a leader, you have to be very mindful of the way that you are seen with them and the relationships you have with them. Because as I say, when people are leaders, they have this imaginary hat on that says supervisor on it. They have this imaginary t-shirt on that says manager on it. People are looking at you no matter whether you think they are or not. People are always looking at you and everything that you do, the way you treat people, who you hang out with. How are you setting those boundaries, letting people understand what your role is, what their role is, and that how you are there to help everyone be successful. Well said. Thank you. Well said, yeah. (laughs) Well, let's transition now and and talk a little bit more about you. Okay. Besides your book, which I found fascinating, do you have another product or service you'd like to plug? Yeah. I love helping leaders lead better. That's just kind of been my, my passion, my mantra of, what can I do to help leaders lead better? So if people ever want to understand my thoughts around kind of their leadership pipeline of what they can do, I really enjoy helping organizations understand that focusing not on just the upper echelons of their leadership pipeline, where they already have leaders who have 15, 20 years of experience, but focusing on that entry-level, high-potential, new manager emerging leader, first-line supervisor, first-time manager, if you're able to focus on that, think of the pipeline that you're going to have for the next 10 years of of the people you're going to have in-house helping to be the future leaders of your organization. Helping organizations understand that 
coming up with a plan for the long term to help leaders uh, lead better in that organization, or just helping leaders uh, through coaching experiences, through training and development workshops or whatever uh, exper- uh, experiential activities there are. That's what I love doing, and that's what I enjoy doing. Anything based on the book, Be the Boss Everyone Wants to Work For, is great. Uh, finding me on LinkedIn and just having conversations around just helping people lead better. Always open for that. All right. Well, I will make sure to ask how people can find you as we wrap up. Great. Great. Let's transition into uh, a little bit more here. It's uh, what I call the, the lightning round questions. Okay. So the first question here is, if you could sit in my seat and interview anyone you wanted, who would it be and why? Anyone at all? Interviews. So I'm, I'm a, I love sports as well. When I grew, when I was a kid, I had my, my basketball goal in the backyard. Um, I had my Nerf hoop there in my room. I wanted to be Larry Bird. When I, when I just loved that, that was my favorite basketball player. I just I thought I could be him when I grew. Obviously, couldn't. I always found it interesting how Larry Bird is one of the top NBA players ever, and he was a coach of the year, and he was an executive of the year. How can one of the top players in the world actually be a great leader as well because other players have tried it and they didn't do so well i mean that's the that's the definition of derailment how can a person who was destined to have all the abilities to be successful have their career flame out burn out they reached a career plateau they got fired they got demoted what whatever it is i would love to hear from him how not only is a great individual contributor a great player, but also became a leader outside of just being a great player where so many others have failed. I'd love to interview him about that. Well, let's track him down and get him on the show. <laughs> I think that'd be great. <laughs> My next question is, what's your favorite vacation spot and why? If you were able to drop me off in San Diego, California with a rental car, mm-hmm. and I could drive up Pacific Coast Highway for about a week. I've done mm-hmm. that a couple times. It's wonderful. And I have to make sure that I stop off at Santa Barbara, and I have to make sure that I stop off at Santa Monica, and I have to stop, make sure that I stop off for at least two days in Carmel, California, which mm-hmm. for me, that is, I, I tell people, I hope to retire in Carmel one day. I hope my wife joins me. Yeah. That's just one of the places that is just, it's on the water. I love driving, so making that drive up Pacific Coast Highway the whole time, I've gone up as far north as Mendocino County in, in Northern California, loved every second of it. And staying in Carmel, Pebble Beach, I love playing golf. Not only have I driven 17-mile drive, I've actually jogged the 17-mile drive as well. It was just wonderful. So that's one of my favorite vacation places. Wow. I'm from California and have spent some time in in Carmel. And it's a special place. It is. You're going to have to empty your piggy bank to live there, though. Yes. Yeah, uh, exactly. (laughs) That's why it's a vacation, not a residence yet. (laughs) Yeah. What brings you the most joy in your life? This time in my life, you know, it's it, if right now it's it's my family. Just yesterday, being with my family, my my daughter's uh, almost five, and and she has been skittish on trying to get on her scooter, but we walked across the street. We saw some of her neighbors playing out who are on the same age. She got on the scooter like she'd been doing it for years, and just seeing her and and helping her learn to do math and, and read. And that's been a joy for me, especially over the last few months. Um, I've been able to 
really over the last few months, reconnect and be with my family, be present with my family. I know a lot of people who work, love their jobs and can really balance everything. And there are some of us who hate their jobs and just are the, the phone is always on and the, the calendar is always packed and, and, and everything. And being able to be present with my family over the last few months has just been a joy for me and just helping raise my daughter with my wife and just the three of us together is something really special in my life right now. So that, that brings me the, the greatest joy right now. Yeah, I agree. I have twin 14-year-old daughters mm-hmm. and they're wow. amazing. It's so much fun. Yeah. It's amazing. And and I remember when they were five and they were just, they were bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and into everything <laughs> and yeah, yeah. It's good stuff. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Great. Well, Bill, thank you very much. I enjoyed having you. Glad glad you were able to spend some time with me. How can people find you? I have a website, williamgentryleads.com. Again, you call me Bill, but my formal name's William, so williamgentryleads.com. You can find a couple extra things from the book there. You know, when I wrote the book, my publisher said, This is great but it's way too long. So I had to cut a lot of stuff. And I said, I don't want to lose that stuff because it's helpful. So I was able to put some worksheets and, and different different things there on the website. So you can find me through there, but you can also find me through LinkedIn. I love connecting with people through LinkedIn as well. You can find me there, William Gentry, PhD. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe, comment, share, and connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm Eric Gerard on LinkedIn. We will catch you on the next one. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Management Development Unlocked. Want more? Get a ton of insider tips and tools at gerardtrainingsolutions.com. Solutions.com.